So I want to start you guys off with this question. What do you guys celebrate in your life? Who do you celebrate? And when do you celebrate? What are the things that make you celebrate? I know we celebrate birthdays. I just had one. I'm getting up there, 36 last Monday. <coughs> and people began to celebrate my life. I got a lot of social media action on Facebook. You know when you just got to like it all the way down the row? And my kids made me cards. Ninja Turtle seems to be my theme lately since I said I'm going to see that movie August 8th with my daughter. I got, my daughter colored me a Raphael, so I guess I have to be Raphael when we go for our theme-based movie trip on August 8th. My other daughter made me a card, and they got me a cake, and they sang to me, told me how much they loved me, they celebrated me. Mike Barris gave me probably the best gift I've ever got as a pastor, a Ninja Turtle t-shirt he walked into at music team practice. So people were celebrating my life. If you have birthdays, or people you love have birthdays, you go and you celebrate their life. You celebrate their arrival. If you're from Boston, we celebrate victory. When we win, we celebrate. If you watch the Red Sox celebration, what was going on? Everyone was cheering. Everyone was going crazy. The place was erupting. Banners were dropping. People were like had their kids with little onesies that said Red Sox, and they had old pictures of their family. Everyone was ready to celebrate. They made like music for Big Poppy like he was a king or something, and he came down a red carpet. I was like, this getting a little weird for me, man. But I'm glad we won. We celebrate when we're victorious or there's victory in our life. And what today is all about, it's not about a bunch of just green palm branches, even those are good, I got those. Donna, if she makes it here, is going to show you how to make crosses with them afterwards. It's not just about those things. It's about the victory that Jesus brought to us through his life, through his death, and through his resurrection. It's not just a past victory, it's a present victory in our life about everything that Jesus has done as the victor in our life. That he has conquered Satan, sin, and death. That not only are our past sins forgiven and we have a future hope, but presently we have everything to celebrate because we have everything if we have Jesus. So that's what I want you guys to hear today. Because sometimes you go through different things in life where you forget that we have something to celebrate. And there's different seasons of the soul. We go through seasons of the, where we're down. We go through seasons of depression or seasons of anxiety, seasons of great joy. But through any season of your life, you can come back to this ultimate truth that Christ loves you, that Christ died for you, that he rose again, that he's coming back again, that he is our all in all, he is everything, and that Christ is worthy to celebrate. I want you guys to come out of here today Enjoying life, enjoying God, enjoying the people of God, enjoying the gospel. So that's our goal today. We're going to talk about the triumphal entry, which really is the victorious entry. So I'm just going to read the passage that we're going to preach from today. It's John chapter 12. If you have your Bibles, if you don't, we don't judge you around here. So John 12, 12 through 19, I'm going to read that. The next day, the large crowd that had come to feast, heard that Jesus was coming to Jerusalem. So they took branches of palm trees and went out to meet him, crying out, Hosanna! Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord, even the King of Israel. And Jesus found a young donkey and sat on it. Just as it is written, Fear not, daughter of Zion. Behold, your king is coming. 
sitting on a donkey's colt. His disciples did not understand these things at first, but when Jesus was glorified, then they remembered that these things had been written about him and had been done to him. The crowd that had been with him when he called Lazarus out of the tomb and raised him from the dead continued to bear witness. The reason why the crowd went to meet him was that they heard that he had done the sign. So the Pharisees said to one another, you see that you are gaining nothing. Look, the world has gone after him. So what we have is a people who are ready to celebrate. You ever seen a people gather in a place, whether it's the Wakefield Parade on July 4th, people or, or anything to do with sports in Boston, we gather <laughs> to celebrate. These people are gathering to celebrate because they their life has been dramatically changed by Jesus. They have seen him, like it says, raise someone from the dead. That's what the Son of God did. He raised someone from the dead. They saw that kind of power. They saw the blind see and the deaf hear and lepers made whole. And he spoke like no other man spoke. He spoke with authority like no one else. He was the best pre preacher who ever lived. And they heard of his great fame. Some of them might have even been healed by him. Some of them might have been blind before. Some might have been deaf before. Some of them might have been crippled and now they walked. And they were coming to celebrate this king. I want you guys to see a crowd more rowdy than you've ever seen a crowd. Now, I have to use this example because I do this for John Coppola once a year. I use a WWF, a WWE example because honestly, it's like the gospel in WWE here for John. And so he enjoys. I talked about the macho man and he's been encouraging me ever since I talked about the macho man. But when I was younger, has anyone been to a WWF event or saw it on TV? It's no shame. I was just saying, people were undercover. I know some of you were watching. The Ultimate Warrior's death bothered some of you, and that's okay. When Macho went, that bothered me. I was a kid. I brought I was nine, ten years old. They brought me there. I'm sitting in the in the garden. They packed out the garden. And who has one of the best entrances in the WWE? Who? There you go, brother. You've been in the Word. The Undertaker. <laughs> the lights go out. If you're 9 or 10, you're just like, The Undertaker. You go crazy. The crowd goes wild and just cheers. And you feel like you're part of something. Then you realize, this ain't real. What's going on? I'm going to pretend. I'm going to pretend. It was so much more than any of those entrances. Imagine if you saw the power of Jesus and you saw him raise the dead and heal the blind and preach about this kingdom. It's a kingdom that something like you've never heard of where the last will be first and the greatest of all is a servant and that he came to save and lay down his life. And they're hearing about this glorious kingdom. They're ready to rejoice and they brought their palms. Does everyone know why they brought palms? Palms are emblem of victory. They're a symbol of victory. They used them in Leviticus and all the feasts and even in Revelation you see it. It's a sign of the victory of the king and they laid them down before him. And they celebrated and they cried out and they rejoiced. I brought my, my daughter Talia to a first ever Celtics game. Now it's been a tough season. It's hard to still be a fan. But you've got to go through these seasons. You've got to be excited about the draft. So I brought her in there. What I didn't realize is how much she was going to cheer. And I felt this weird obligation and responsibility that I had to cheer like she cheered. So I got caught up when she was like, let's go Celtics. 
Like she, the loudest one in the whole our section way up in the back. She was the loudest one there just cheering. And I was like yelling out defense and I'm yelling, let's go. sell. I'm all insecure. She could care less. She was just yelling out, shouting different things, defense, just cheering, just celebrating. Now, what was the crowd yelling that day? What was the chant? Hosanna. They were crying out, Hosanna, Hosanna, Hosanna. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Now, hear this crowd erupting if you're looking at this scene. They're going absolutely bananas. No one cares what anyone else thinks. They have their palms. They're screaming. Some have been healed. He's their savior. He's their king. He's their Messiah. He's waiting for them. They're going absolutely crazy, yelling Hosanna louder than you've ever heard. Just chanting it. Better than let's go Celtics. Just chanting, chanting Hosanna. Now, do you guys know what Hosanna means? Hosanna originally meant, if you look at Psalm 118.25, it originally meant, help me, save me, Lord. It would be like you're drowning. If you're drowning, you got that feeling, help me. I need someone to rescue me. I need someone to save me. I'm going down. This is the end. That originally it meant that in the Old Testament. Help me, save me, Lord. In the Jewish language, as it went on to the time of the New Testament, it evolved and it actually meant salvation Salvation, salvation is here. That's what they're crying out for Jesus. They're saying, victory, victory, victory is here. Salvation, salvation is here. The Messiah is here. So it went from help me, I'm drowning, to that person pulls you up and you're saved and you're just like, I'm saved, I was going to die, I'm saved, it's here. The life God is here. They saved me. Got another story for you. I like illustrations. <laughs> I was like four years old. It was, yeah, and we went to some local beach or pond, and it was a whole crew of us. It was like just everyone grabbed their coolers. I got 11 aunts and uncles. It's a big crew, and it was just everyone's from the project, so there's no preparation. You just grab a cooler, and you jump in the closest car. You know what I mean? There's no AC. The windows don't work, and you're like, get me to the beach. We pulled up to this place, and when you got that many people, the supervision isn't they're not right on top of things. I don't know if you've been around these crowds. So I saw the water, and I saw a dock, and I said, that looks good. And I took off, four-year-old freestyle, and I ran down that dock, and I jumped off. I, I didn't dive, but I was going to land the water. I don't know if I realized in the air or when I got in the water that I couldn't swim. But when you're a kid, you don't plan like that. And so I jumped off the dock was under and said, this, this is bad. I'm in trouble. <laughs> Couldn't swim. And no one realized I was under because it was a big party. In my heart, I might not have said it, I was saying, help me, <laughs> save me. I'm not lying. I can see it as clear as day. I saw a lifeguard woman dive in like Baywatch with a little thing on her back, and she was swimming towards me. And I was like, I got a chance. And she saved me. She brought me out of that water. And I was just like, I told everyone. I thanked her. I said, oh, my goodness, that was it. I was done. I was going to die at four years old. I didn't have a good run. I was done. Then I told everybody I was saved. That's what Hosanna is. It's after you've been pulled out from drowning. So that's what those people are doing. They're not like, I'm drowning. They're saying, I'm saved. Hosanna, Hosanna, Hosanna in the highest. I am saved. And they say, blessed, 
be the in, be him who comes in the name of the Lord. That was a messianic title. They've been waiting for this Messiah, the anticipation of this Messiah. We talked it. We talked about this all the way back to Genesis three, when the prom- the first proclamation of the gospel that a Messiah would come. They had been waiting for this Messiah, and he had got there to save his people. They didn't know ultimately, and to save the world. Imagine that kind of waiting thousands a year. Then Jesus comes on the saint, the Son of God. This crowd's going crazy because victory is here because Jesus is here. Then they directly quote Zechariah 9 9. Do you guys know this hundreds of prophecies in the Old Testament about Jesus that he perfectly fulfilled before he even came? This is a prophecy, Zechariah 9 9, that's read in there that was prophesied 500 years before Jesus even came that he would come riding on a donkey. Now that's just one of hundreds that Jesus perfectly fulfilled because he was the son of God. Now, if it was me, and I'm honest with you, I wouldn't have rolled in on a donkey. I would have like a war horse. I've told people to tell this. You know, just all armored up. You know, those Clydesdale style, you know, spike coming out, just bucking them a little bit for people to see how powerful I am. Not Jesus. Not Jesus. Jesus rides in on a donkey. Wasn't this typical Jesus? Like we think he should, when he comes, he's gonna, people are gonna be kissing his ring. We realize he's gonna be washing their feet. When he comes, he's, there's no way he's gonna be a carpenter, right? He's not gonna be a tradesman. He's gonna be up there just signing papers, right? He comes as a carpenter. He's born in a, uh, a city that people are like, how can the Messiah come from that city? That's like saying he came from Lynn. You know what I mean? Messiah came from Lynn. He didn't, like, did he hear about Wakefield to stone him? The, the better living area, better school system. He comes to Nazareth, and people are like, the Messiah can't come out of here. And to top it all off, he rolls in on the donkey. Do you know why he rolled in on the donkey? Because he was a king of peace. He wasn't a king of war. He came to bring perfect peace, to reconcile God to man, to reconcile brother to brother and sister and sister and family to family, and reconcile all humanity. See, all the priests and the people, they would come in on donkeys because it was a sign that they came to bring peace not war. And that's why Jesus came, because he came to bring the greatest victory that ultimately would bring the ultimate peace, the gospel. Now, there was a crowd that wasn't that happy about this, right? The Pharisees see this all going on, and they're like Yankees fans in a Red Stocks at Fenway Park when puppies just hit a walk-off. Everyone's celebrating around them, going crazy, and it's like, you've got to be kidding me. I knew we shouldn't have made the ride. The Pharisees look and they say, I cannot believe this because they're already conspiring to kill him. They're calling him a drunkard. He's hanging around with sinners. They don't like that part of who he is. So they're self-righteous and saying, look at this. We've done everything to bring him down. But they say the whole world still goes after him. It's a powerful statement. Everything we've done. According to them, he wasn't even do stuff according to the law. He wasn't what they thought. He should be. He wasn't acting like they thought he should act. He wasn't teaching like they thought he should teach. He wasn't dressing like they thought he should dress. And they say, it's of no avail. Look at them. They're crying out Hosanna. They proclaimed him king. The whole world has gone after him. That's an awesome thing, ain't it? I love that. I love that part. I love how they're all upset for all the right reasons. 
Now, the reason I wanted to preach on this today is, number one, because it's Palm Sunday, so it's good to preach on this. Number two is because I want you guys to have a reason to celebrate, right? I want you guys to have a reason to have joy in your life. Isn't that what we all ultimately want? We want to be happy. We want to have joy, even in our rough times, even in our sad times. And if you're like me, sometimes you tend to focus on the wrong things, right? You get caught up in the fear. You get caught up in the anxiety. You get caught up in the gossip. You get caught up in maybe the danger in the head. You get caught up in the past. You get caught up in the heartache and sorrow. And those things are natural parts of the soul sometimes. But a lot of times, almost every time, we have to say to ourselves, we have everything going for us. You ever hear someone say, I have nothing going for me. This happened, this happened, this happened. If you have Jesus, you have everything going for you. Paul said, I've learned to be content in everything. When I have a home, when I don't have a home, when this person likes me, when that person don't like me, when I have a lot of food, when I have I've learned to be content because I realize I'm always going to rejoice in the one who saved me. He said, rejoice always. Rejoice in the Lord. Be anxious about nothing, but with everything, go with prayer to God. This is very important because there's a temptation in our sinful nature always to look towards the negative and always get caught up in condemnation, always get caught up in the past and what the future will be and not enjoy the present in Christ. This is important. So some of the Protestants will call this the means of grace. It's so important for you guys to have God's ear in prayer, to hear God's voice through the Bible, and to be with God's people. That's how God pours out his grace on you. That's how you keep your mind, your heart, your life aligned. Through prayer, right? When, you're ha- when your prayer is healthy, when you're having a healthy prayer life, your life, you just have a better attitude about life. Do you guys agree? Like, even if you start the day 15 minutes when you start and 15 minutes when you end in prayer, focusing on Jesus and all Christ has done, you have so much to celebrate. I woke up the other day because I was going on a run. I'm a sinner like you. <laughs> and I said, man, why am I getting down the dumps? Everything's good, but I'm just tired. This is stressing me out a little bit. You know, all these things are going on. I'm like, and then it just hit me as I focused on the gospel. I said, I got everything going for me. I said, I have everything going for me because I know God through the person and work of Jesus by the power of the Holy Spirit and because I'm living for his glory. The gospel gives you meaning. It gives you purpose. It gives you God ultimately. And that's the greatest thing. We need to be in the scriptures because that um, moves our hearts so that we celebrate. You ever having a rough time, you get in the scriptures, you hear the voice of God through the scriptures and then you feel better? You say, wow, I got something to celebrate because I just heard the gospel. And to be around God's people, we got to be around each other. We got to be encouraging each other. We got to be pointing to the fact that there is something to celebrate. We need to be picking each other up. We need to be encouraging each other because we have Jesus. And as a people, if we have Jesus, we have everything. Amen? You have everything. I know some people might be struggling with being down, don't hear condemnation today. Hear the gospel. You're forgiven. You're loved. Even the horrible things you went through, God has a purpose. This is all temporary. Ultimately, you will be with God for all eternity. It will make sense. You have more joy than you could ever imagine. Trust in those words of Jesus. Even those who are suffering. 
Now my last story of the day. Some of you don't know you're drowning. Some of you don't know you're drowning. You know that you're having trouble breathing. You know that things are hard. You know that your life doesn't make sense. You're questioning the purpose. But you don't even know it. When I was younger, I wasn't the smartest around water. So these are my analogies today. Jerry will tell you it involves Jerry. I must have been two or three. And I decided in a lake once again, I guess that's where we went, just to sit down. I was about two years old. I don't know. Jerry just told me a story. And I sat down under the water like nothing was wrong. And I would have drowned. I didn't know how to get up. I thought I was okay. I realized I was having trouble breathing. But Jerry said he just walked by and he looked at me and said, what's wrong with this kid? He's just sitting under the water and doesn't, if I don't pick him up, he's going to drown. And he reached down and he picked me up, saved my life, and now he plays the drums for us. He reached down, he picked me up. I don't know if he says, what's wrong with this kid? And he moved on. But some of you don't realize that you're drowning in your sin. You're drowning because you're lost. You're drowning because you're confused. You're drowning because you have no purpose. And Jesus is reaching down today, and he's picking you up, and he's saying, believe, know the gospel, celebrate who he is. And I will encourage those who don't believe, because we have different people. Some people believe here. Some people are working through what they believe. Some people don't believe. Some people will believe. I encourage you, if you don't believe today, put your faith in Jesus and experience the greatest joy you will ever experience. And finally, as I close out every message, this celebration, this news, this truth, this reality, this person, who is Jesus, who is the God-man, who is the Son of God, don't keep that hidden. Share that good news with your friends, with your families, with your co-workers. It's too good of news. It's too liberating. It will change people's lives. Some people reject it. We know that from Jesus. They pinned him to a cross. They rejected him. Some people are going to make fun of you. Some people won't even like you. Some people are going to think you're odd. But some people will find life. Some people will find Jesus. Some people will be transformed and celebrate the person and work of Jesus. Amen?